Knowing the headlines isn't always enough. Sometimes you need to talk about it. For stimulating conversation on the day's hot topics, this is your station. This is your show, The Ryan Jesperson Show, on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. You know all about equalization payments, right? I mean, this topic surfaces either from listener emails, listener text messages, or guests that we have on this show at least a couple of times a month. Equalization, of course, initially established in Canada back in 1957 to ensure that Canadians are offered the same standard of living regardless of where they live. It's why we talk about have provinces and have not provinces. Now, here in Alberta, we haven't received an equalization payment since 1963. And as far as I can tell, we've paid way more than any other province has into the program. Well, the Wild Rose Party, Alberta's official opposition, has established a new panel, a panel uh, featuring economists from Alberta, a have province, and Ontario and Nova Scotia, technically have-not provinces. They'll be analyzing the equalization program, and they'll submit a report to the Alberta legislature by this coming fall, October 15th. The co-chair of that panel, also research chair of finance and capital markets at the Frontier Centre for Public Policy, is Frank Atkins, who joins us over the phone this morning. Mr. Atkins, thanks for your time. Oh, good morning. Nice to be here. First off, right off the bat, am I correct in in making that assumption, as far as I can tell, that Alberta has paid more into equalization by far than any other province in Canada? Yes, that that is uh, correct. We've been paying for a long, long time, and we are pretty much the uh, largest contributor in dollar cents. Brad Wall, the Premier of Saskatchewan, just a short time ago, posted a graph uh, that the headline reads total lifetime equalization payouts in billions in other words what provinces have received now a political strategist Stephen Carter immediately responded saying it was the worst graph he's ever seen but it had some striking numbers on it uh, Quebec receiving 198 billion dollars since yeah. 1957 Ontario receiving 17 billion Manitoba 46 billion Alberta 92 million uh, are those numbers accurate as far as you can tell? Well, um, I, I'd have to look at how we got the numbers, but these numbers are large, and you can make them look even larger by adding them up over successive years, right, which makes them look really, um, really large. Um, so I, I, I don't believe that Brad Wall would deliberately put up wrong numbers, uh, but these numbers... Uh, you know, you have to be very careful with numbers. They sometimes can be interpreted in different ways. So I would have to look at Brad's chart. Now, some people will, will say, okay, well, Mr. Atkins and his colleagues on this panel have, have, have you know, are, are working essentially for the Wild Rose Party, so they're immediately going to be starting off with a specific mandate. But I find it very interesting. You'll be working with economists out of two of the have-not yep. provinces. What do you perceive your mandate to be? Well, what, we, what we're stuck with here, what, what is the impetus for all of this, is that the uh, equalization scheme had great intentions back in 1957 when they put it in. But what happens is it's a political policy. And once you get implementation by politicians and you get tinkering, it starts to go bad. And you get what politicians euphemistically referred to as unintended consequences. And these unintended consequences are things like it creates 
incentives for behavior that is not good for an economy. And this is what we've got. So our, our role is to analyze the system the way it is right now and just make recommendations um, that, that we will put forward. Now, what happens with our recommendations after we make them is up to the politicians. Let me add also, as, let me be very clear, that we are academics, we are scholars, we follow scientific methodology. This report will be completely nonpartisan. Hmm. Now, of course, we know that ultimately this will come down to Ottawa. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. My gut instinct on this is that Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau wants nothing to do with this conversation right now. So many pundits are suggesting this will come down to the provinces. Now, when we look at the provinces that will be receiving equalization payments, mm-hmm. the six of them, Quebec, Ontario, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Prince Edward Island, what are, what's going to motivate those, most specifically those w- with more of a population than anywhere else, Quebec and Ontario, what's going to motivate them to look into changing this structure that's paying them quite handsomely? This is the political problem that we've created um, through uh, equalization. And that's why I say I can make my, sorry, my uh, committee can make recommendations until we're blue in the face. It's nothing's going to happen unless there's political will. And you are right. The motivation for these provinces is to keep the status quo. So What's going to happen? Well, the have provinces, the contributing provinces, are going to have to mount a campaign somehow, and the federal government's going to have to come on board. And it's not going to be easy. You can't expect to change the world overnight, but certainly I'm hoping that what will come out of this is that we'll sort of inch towards a better system. The timing of the formation of this equalization fairness panel may suggest to people that it pains Alberta most when oil prices are low and we're struggling. But I've seen you assert actually quite the opposite. Yeah. Well, it. Uh, sorry, um, you may have misinterpreted what I said. Yes, it does pain Alberta. Sure, uh, because. Uh, the world price of oil is very low. The Alberta economy is not doing very well, and our, and our ability to be a net contributor uh, may be compromised. But my comment was that this, this why people are talking about it a lot now is because Alberta is uh, sort of not doing very well. And a lot of people in the street are saying, geez, you know, we're not doing very well here. Why are we contributing all this? But the real harm from equalization, the, the one you mean, and as an economist, when I can really see it, is when times are good in Alberta, we're doing really, really well, and we're contributing huge amounts to equalization, which is going to other provinces and providing a disincentive for economic development. Let me give you one example. Recently, Nova Scotia, the Nova Scotia government, banned, officially banned fracking. Now, had they not done this, they could have developed a really nice gas industry. They could have brought their economy up, created this industry, and then they would have been no longer eligible for equalization. So what did they do? They chose to keep equalization, not develop this industry. Yet, in the face of this, their equalization payments are coming from Alberta, which uses fracking. So, you know, it creates this kind of economic disincentive and political divisiveness. Hmm. Quebec's power market plays into this as another example, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. Because, you know, what happens in Quebec is they have this massive hydroelectric power, 
And essentially what they do with a lot of it is they distribute it to local Quebec residents at a highly subsidized price. Now, that price is the revenue which counts in the equalization formula. So because the revenue uh, coming is a lot smaller than it would be at market price because they're subsidizing it, then they're pay- they are eligible for more equalization than they would be if they were selling it at market price. And this is a re- another really big distortion. Hmm. How does the Energy East pipeline weave itself into this conversation uh, as far as you're concerned? Or does it? Well, the, there is a... Uh, um, Denny Cordaire, who heads a, a group whose name escapes me right now, a bunch of uh, sort of uh, Quebec mayors. The MMC? Recently, yeah, MMC, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, the MMC recently came out and took a strong anti uh, energy East pipeline stance. Now, th- that's fine, except for equalization plays a role here in the sense that we in Alberta producing this oil need that pipeline in order to generate wealth in Alberta. If we can generate wealth in Alberta, then the equalization payments will flow to these, these um, uh, Quebec mayors, right? And so it, there's a bit of hypocrisy there in the sense that they're standing up saying, well, look, Alberta, we don't want your dirty oil, but we don't mind taking your dirty oil equalization payments. Hmm. Is there any date looming uh, in years to come where uh, there would be an onus upon the federal government to review equalization, or is this up to the discretion of the PM and his cabinet? No, uh, it's my understanding that 2019 is sort of an official date for um, having to sit down and actually, well, uh, it's an official date. But uh, as with any political date, they could say, okay, we sat down, we thought about it, no, oh, well, too bad. But 2019 is on the calendar. So do you as, think it's, I mean, is it important for this equalization fairness panel more than anything? I mean, maybe even more than coming up with findings to just be getting the conversation going? Yes. Uh, that's always my goal uh, as an economist um, and a political advisor is uh, I can see the economic issues and I try to generate papers which gets the conversation going. And that's the, the best you can hope for as an economist because once you, once you get the conversation going, it's out of your hands. Right? Sure. It's, it's the politicians after that. Because I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure, and I tried to do, just because of obviously in the context of what I do for work, I've tried to educate myself as much as possible on how sure. equalization works. I'm not sure most people do. I mean, I know a lot of us picture, you know, Albertans writing a check to Quebec and then that directly <laughs> funds their daycare, you know, but, but that's not exactly how it no. happens, is it? No, nobody's writing a check here, and this is a very common uh, misperception. Here, here's how you want to think about sort of, you know, uh, uh, an overview of the system. Of course, it's much more complicated than this, but think of this as a simplified overview. We all pay taxes to Ottawa, right? Every citizen in every province. So then Ottawa collects all this money from provinces, and then they do a lot of things with the money. But one of the things they do is they transfer money back to the provinces through various schemes, equalization as one, you know, and paying for health care and so on, right? And if you want to think of equalization in terms that can be understood, think of it this way. Every province should add up how much 
federal tax money goes out of the province to Ottawa and then subtract how much federal money comes back into the province. So if you, as we are in Alberta, if we have more money going to Ottawa than is coming back from Ottawa, then we're net contributors. The, a lot of the Atlantic provinces, have, they have less money going to Ottawa than is coming back from Ottawa, so they're net recipients. And so if nobody's writing a check, it's all in the tax system. Now, I understand that this is a fact-finding mission for you, and it may be a little early to ask you to offer commentary, <laughs> but, but can I ask you to predict, perhaps, maybe a couple of findings that may make their way onto the final report? Is there anything that you're inclined to believe could be a suggestion of this panel? Well, um, as an economist, I suspect a lot of the recommendations are going to be along the lines of we have to have a system. If, we are, if we're going to have an equalization system, we're going to have to design it in a manner that gets rid of the economic distortions that are, that are out there. And there are a lot of them. So you don't want a system in place that provides incentives to not develop your economy. And, and that's what's in there right now. So I'm sure there's going to be a broad uh, number of incentives that said, look, uh, sorry, a broad number of recommendations to say, look, this is not good for economic development. We're not doing it right. Let's try something else. Hmm. You know, there, there's a logo for your equalization fairness panel. I'm sure you've seen it. And it, it has the W right above the dome of the oh. legislature, which probably, politically speaking, marketing-wise, it might be a savvy move on behalf of the Wild Rose Party. Do you believe, though, that the, the NDP government here in Alberta will be receptive to your findings? It could end up shining the spotlight right back onto them, including Finance Minister Joe Sisi. No, uh, I don't think they want to have anything to do with this. Um, a lot of politicians don't want to have anything to do with this um, uh, and so uh, I, I think they they would try to ignore it, but I don't think they can because popular popular opinion right now in Alberta is really on the side of boy, let's start thinking about this equalization stuff. And you can only ignore the people for so long, even when you have a majority government. So I, I suspect I'm not the politician here. Uh, I'm just the economist. I suspect what will happen is they'll try to ignore it, but I don't think the public pressure will allow them to ignore it. We'll see what the rising swell does. Uh, Frank Atkins, <laughs> co-chairman of this uh, panel on equalization fairness on behalf of the official opposition Wild Rose Party, also research chair of finance and capital markets at the Frontier Center for Public Policy. Thanks for your time. Anytime. Thank you very much. You bet. Appreciate it. We've got, uh, as you would imagine, a whole bunch of comments here. Uh, if you'd rather call in than text, go ahead. 780-496-0063. We'll get to the text line right after this. You're listening to The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chat, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 1022 on this Friday morning. Brandon Graziano just let me know that there's a conversation underway as well on our 630 Ched Facebook page about equalization. If, have you signed up? Have you liked our Facebook page? Please do show. There's a lot, there's a lot of great uh, content on there, including some, some, some videos and some sort of additional content that you won't hear over the air. On the text line, 630-630, a uh, listener here out of Edmonton says, uh, hey, you know what? 
This is so frustrating. It's so difficult for us as a country to work together for the greater good. It seems like every province is only out for itself. The prime minister and, you know, the federal government needs to step in and make a decision on the Energy East pipeline to help Canada as a whole. Goes on to say, I can't believe Nova Scotia actually prohibited fracking in in 2014 and then turns around and accepts transfer payments from us. Our country needs to continue to develop our economy instead of depending on one or two provinces for subsidies. Let's get to the phone lines here. Marcel calling in from Fort McMurray. Good morning to you. Yes, good morning. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, I just want to thank you for having your guest on to uh, give us Albertans a less than 101 on uh, on the equalization uh, program that's been around for a good many of years. Do we know if in that time, has there ever been any amendments to the plan, or is this the first attempt of, the, of this sort? Yeah, I don't believe so, Marcel. It, 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 I mean, people use phrases like politically combustible when they talk about the equalization formula. Since it was established in 1957, I think one of the big reasons why people are talking about it now is people are saying, you know, the economic landscape has changed and it's not working as well for some provinces like Alberta, to say the least. Right. The other comment I just wanted to make, you know, I respect that the, uh, your uh, guest said that, you know, once the study is done and the recommendations are put together, it'll be out of the, their hands and into the hands of the politicians. But I think it's important for the average Albertan to really understand this, because it's through the average Albertan understanding it that can have the dialogue with their politicians to really gain some momentum to get this issue reviewed and hopefully put to rights. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is totally unrelated, Marcel, but mm-hmm. but yesterday when we talked about Apple versus the FBI, I wasn't sure if I should take all the time to read the entire letter from Apple CEO Tim Cook, but once I did, it was interesting, 10 or 15 different listeners chimed in and said, hey, listen, actually my opinion changed on this once I heard the entire letter. And I think it just goes to show that sometimes, regardless of the topic or the issue, if we become more educated about it, we can, we can make more informed decisions on exactly how we feel about something. No, very much so. It sure can't hurt to look into it. No, absolutely, because the worst thing we can do is have an opinion, but not have the, uh, the full information. So, yeah. you know, thanks for the... Uh, Thanks for the role you play in keeping us informed and educated. Hey, thanks and, for uh, uh, listening. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Yeah, the, sh- the show is garbage if there are no listeners. I can say that with confidence. Let's find out what Daily Dell has to say about this. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, you had that uh, representative, uh, I can't remember his name, from the Freedom Party on the other day. Yeah. And you seemed really surprised at the response you were getting on Twitter. I was. This all, this all plays into the same thing. We are the most unappreciated province in this country. Mm-hmm. In all the years I've traveled out east, Ryan, countless times, it's gotten to the point I will not tell anybody out there I'm from Alberta. I'd go there, oh, you're a racist redneck. Meanwhile, while they're telling me this, I'm in Nova Scotia. Look, Google the Goler family outside of Halifax. It was an inbred, incestuous nightmare. They're telling me we're like that. I'm in Ontario. Oh, a bunch of racist rednecks. They're cross burnings in Sudbury. And up north in northern Ontario, I'd never heard of a cross Well, yeah, there's ignorant fools everywhere. But, but this continues to this day. We are labeled as the backward hicks of Canada. Meanwhile, since 1957, in today's dollars, we've paid over $500 billion in equalization payments. 
over half a trillion dollars, Ryan. Okay, hang on a sec. Let me stop you right there, because once people start saying in today's dollars, you get into really misleading figures, right? Well, if you convert into today's dollars at buying power and everything else, I've read several studies. Up until 1995, it was $300 billion. Just in the last 15 years alone, we've averaged 10 to $15 billion a year, up to $20 billion, going to Ottawa. You add it all up, it's half a trillion dollars. Yeah, in actual dollars, it's about $300 billion in actual dollars, yeah. So, well, unfortunately, buying power changes over the years. Sure. The end result is, is what have we gotten for it? We've got some little troll mayor in Montreal who's (laughs) affiliated with the Montreal Mafia trying to get his hand out from us before he'll he'll sign on to passing our dirty oil. Meanwhile, he's got no problem dumping 8 billion liters of raw sewage into the St. Lawrence because he spent and his government spent all the money that was supposed to process that on other things. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir when it comes to Denny Cordaire's hypocrisy, Dell. I'll tell you what, but, I, I got to cut you off right now because I want to make time for one more call. Always appreciate hearing from you. Richard out of Calling Lake, two days in a row. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, I'm on a roll. Hey, thanks for taking my call. And I always want to thank you. It's a, it's a great show. Day and night difference from uh, previous years. But anyhow, uh, they need to restructure this um, equalization payment, uh, rewrite the policies. For instance, Ontario a few years ago, gas plant debacle, almost a billion dollars wasted. Why can't they audit each province uh, on their fiscal responsibility and then you qualify for a certain percentage? Okay, uh, Surya was done years back. Newfoundland, second highest spending province in Canada, but yet it has the worst economy because everyone's out here working, taking the Alberta dollar, taking it back home, spending it there. Uh, Projects, like you say, that have been, what would be the good word, sabotaged, uh, you know, set up to fail Mm. so they can qualify for equalization. Audits, the uh, Canadian government needs to do forensic audits if you, if you have to. Richard, here's the thing, though, and I don't think that a lot of people would disagree with you, but you need the provinces on board here, and a lot of people on the text line are making the very good point that you think that the federal liberals are going to upset their electoral base by taking this initiative. I'm not convinced they would. And that leads to my next point. A country like Denmark, I think that's where one of the originating countries of Royal Dutch Shell, they have a, in their version of a heritage trust fund almost a well, what is it? Almost a billion dollars. How is all of our resources, Canada's like one and a half trillion dollars in debt, maybe more, how is all of our resources leaving our country, making other countries rich? Meanwhile, we're fighting yeah. over the crumbs. You know, I mean, we, we have to unite as far as the resources, the uh, potential net worth. Why should we be in debt? It doesn't make sense because we're busy fighting each other. Yeah, mm. I've got a break for the news, Richard. Thanks Thank for you. the call. You bet. Someone says, I love the Dell bump for Richard. That's not it. Just getting more as many calls in as I can. I don't think Dell feels like he got bumped. I love this uh, text from Jasmine who says, Dell's exactly right. I'm East Indian and I get called a racist redneck in other provinces too. Hey, we're turning the tide. One experience by one interaction at a time. This is the real Alberta, represented in Chad Nation. Here's the news. This is the Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. We're talking about this equalization fairness panel 
It's been established by the uh, Wild Rose Party. It features economists from three different provinces. One, have province, that's Alberta, and two, have not provinces. The other economists, I don't know if this means anything to you, but David McKinnon and Ben Eisen from Ontario and Marco Navarro-Gini from Nova Scotia. The current equalization agreement in Canada expires in 2019, which just so happens to be a year that Canadians will head to the polls. Isn't that interesting? Equalization this year in Canada for the 2016-17 budget year, in fact, about $18 billion. The total value of the program, about $10 billion of that will go to Quebec. About $2 billion of it will go to Ontario. About $1.7 billion of it will go to Manitoba. Politically speaking, it's a smart move by the Wild Rose to establish this, isn't it? Because even just on first impression, on basic appearance, it's the Wild Rose Party standing up for Alberta and standing up for Alberta taxpayers. And at a time where many of us, most specifically those of you that are not working, want somebody to stick up for you. Because you're picturing Alberta writing a big check and sending it off to Quebec so Quebecers can have subsidized daycare and subsidized electricity, right? That's what it feels like. And as we're sending $2 billion out of Alberta, though technically that's not how it works, and we covered that already, but for all intents and purposes, we're, we're giving, not receiving. You're still paying for daycare. Your electricity is not subsidized in the same fashion. Jobs are being lost. Taxes are going up. It's tough to swallow, Right. So it's no surprise that Brian Jean and his team and the official opposition are doing this. The Wild Rose Party has, has figured out the opposition game quite well. Not to get too off track, but to make the general observation, before that mass floor crossing last December, well, now I guess technically I've got to say two Decembers ago, the Wild Rose Party was being lauded for how effective it was in opposition. And this is one way to put pressure on Alberta's government, to put pressure on Ottawa. Now, how effective ultimately will it be? What change ultimately will it impact or prompt? Maybe none whatsoever. But we're talking about it today on the radio. Albertans are talking about it. You can bet Canadians will be talking about it if this panel prompts enough noise from the electorate. Listener here listening out of Calgary, thanks for tuning in, says, I moved here from another province in 2010, and, and uh, I found that not everyone is a redneck racist. What, what I have found, though, is that my interactions with closed-minded redneck racist individuals happens far more often in Alberta than any other province I've lived in. I've never lived in eastern Canada, but it sounds like they're very closed-minded as well. They sound greedy and not open to helping other provinces. Interesting observation based on your personal experience. I, yeah, I, I, I totally 100% agree with Dell. I don't remember the I don't remember the word he used. Did he say Alberta is the most misunderstood province in Canada? Probably true. I've lived in different parts of Canada. I went to university in British Columbia. I've worked in Ontario. I, and yeah, I mean, you know, you see, I'm a proud Alberta boy, and I've let people know that. And, and sometimes some of the responses you get, I think, you need to come visit us. You need to spend some time in the province of Alberta. Alberta's actually led the way in some progressive measures. We have a lot of things socially to be proud of in Alberta. Sure, there are some incidents, like every province has, and we've had some ourselves. And sure, there are some pockets of the population that are, you know, 
perpetuating some stereotypes, but generally speaking, you don't paint an entire province with one brush. I'm proud to be from Alberta, and I always will be. Lyle says, yep, I'm an Alberta redneck. This conversation is, t- is quickly taking a turn. I'll just ride it. Says, I fear God. I'm giving. I'm loving. I'm gentle. I drive a jacked up diesel pickup. I kill and eat wild animals. If an apocalyptic event ever happened in an eastern city, those city slickers could only wish they were related to someone like me. Topher says, call us redneck racists again, you such and such. They love to call us names, but they sure like our money. And that's another thing that contributes. People talk about how politically divisive the equalization conversation can be, to say the least. It might be the understatement of the year. But when you hear that Quebec is receiving $10 billion in equalization and then doing everything it can via mayors like Denny Cordaire to throw up roadblocks in front of the Energy East pipeline, it makes it a little tough to swallow, doesn't it? A listener here says, you know, regarding Nova Scotia clamping down on fracking, saying no to fracking, maybe they just, you know, maybe they're worried about their water. Maybe this is something that, you know, they don't want gas and chemicals in their drinking source, and and maybe they don't want to trigger earthquakes. Sure. I mean, the science is out on that. We've talked about that on this show. But there, there are assumptions and, and there, there is research to suggest that fracking could prompt earthquakes. And there is some question about the water used. And, and now I know I'm going to get text messages from people saying there's actually environmentally responsible ways to do it. And we recycle the water and this, that and the other. I think what it comes down to is Nova Scotia doesn't want the economic prosperity or the revenue that would come with fracking. Yet they're happy to accept equalization payments that come from taxes gleaned from the exact same activity in Alberta, right? So it's kind of like, if you want to get dramatic about it, it's like taking money from the proceeds of crime while insisting you won't be a criminal yourself, right? I won't deal cocaine to kids, but this drug dealer gives me 10 grand a month to keep my mouth shut, and I'm happy to accept it. Sure, it's dramatic, and I'll get a call from those in the energy industry saying, did you just compare fracking to dealing cocaine to kids? Not my intention. My point is just to say, some people can't accept Nova Scotia's stance on that, including economist Frank Atkins. Dan says, all these responses are proving the rest of the country's point of view to be true. Dan, (laughs) sometimes it's a small sample size, but I'll take your point. Brent says, there's a reason for the misunderstanding. Eastern bums portray us a bad way. The Eastern sheep keep believing it. Brent, of course, referencing former Premier Klein's famous take on Easterners, the bums and creeps. Listener out of Red Deer says, the Wild Rose Party is really impressing me with this equalization review. DC says nothing will be done to change the equalization payment structure. The feds will need to pander to the have-not provinces for their votes. So expect to continue paying. As much as it pains me to say, DC, you're probably right. Trevor will be first in line on the phones as soon as we're back from this quick break. You're listening to The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 
On the text line, as we talk equalization payments, Rob Burnshaw says it seems that over the years, Alberta has been used as a bit of a doormat to wipe people's feet off before even finding out what we're all about. Rob says, I have a logo on my jacket. I designed it myself. It says made in Alberta, not the jacket. Me, I'm born and raised here. I like that pride, Rod. One of you, at least one of you, doesn't mind my analogy of the uh, Coke dealer and receiving proceeds of crime. I know it was a little dramatic. Sean out of Lloyd Minster has another idea. He says, why don't you compare it to turning down a job because you're on welfare? Hey, that's one way to look at it. Let's find out what Trevor has to say about this. Good morning, Trevor. Good morning. Uh, just to let you know, a uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Appreciate that. Uh, yes. Um, uh, just to let you know that I'm a transplanted Ontarian myself. I came out here with the military, fell in love with the province, and retired here. All right, on. Uh, and uh, just to say that the East always has this uh, opinion that, yes, we are the national teat. And uh, that's all they see us as. And the Prime Minister certainly doesn't want to uh, pitch in and help. He's more or less saying that we're on our own. And I just wonder if we ever had a provincial government that was gutsy enough to withhold the transfer payment money that is generated by oil. I wonder if that would actually start a conversation in Ottawa. Hmm. So you're talking about withholding federal taxes, yeah. Generated by oil, since nobody down east seems to uh, like it. You know what I mean? I wonder if that would actually start a conversation down there. <laughs> it most likely would. <laughs> yeah, for you know, sure. They'd be going, hey, what gives? Well, you don't like it. Enough said? <laughs> yeah, that's one way to make some noise, that's for sure. Hey, Trevor, thanks for the call, and thanks for listening to the show. Good Appreciate day. it. We've been having this conversation as well, uh, or I should say it's been unfolding on our 630 Ched Facebook page. Go ahead and give that a like. Quinn says the system, equalization system, was set up in a way that Quebec could always receive more than they contribute. They purposely run their provincial budget in the red so that they qualify for the most. It's a reward program for the province that abuses the program the most. Quinn says, granted, they do have a higher population, but they have the highest quality of living as far as social programs, government funding, and yet at the same time, they refuse to develop their resources Meantime, looking for government bailouts of their industries and social welfare programs. It's a welfare state with better benefits than the rest of Canada. Alberta contributes the most due to our resource-rich province. Quebec reaps the rewards through the equalization program and criticizes us for producing, quote, dirty oil. Quebec needs to be scaled back on their last place reward program. Justin Moore says Western separation by force. (laughs) I don't know about that. Rhonda says, let's tell them, hey, folks, the equalization payment will be coming to you via pipeline. I saw it suggested the other day. I mean, people are talking about a bailout for Bombardier. And on one hand, you know, we we need to view things as, you know, we're Edmontonians, we're Albertans, we're Canadians, right? I mean, there's sort of those three. And then then there's many other ways, uh, you know, how we identify ourselves. But as Canadians, you want to see Canadians keep their jobs, but once you start talking about corporate bailouts, I mean, you know, were the feds to bail out Bombardier, much like they stepped in to bail out the auto industry a couple of years ago, a few years ago, what would your expectations be? Would your expectations be that there would also be a bailout of sorts for the energy industry, for oil, traditional oil and gas companies here in the province of Alberta and other western provinces, other prairie provinces? 
Would your expectations be that a, a bailout for Bombardier would include a mandated approval of the Energy East pipeline, as an example? What would your expectations be with a bailout for Quebec-based Bombardier? You can let me know what you think. When we come back, I wanted to leave a few minutes, as mentioned, following our conversation on horse racing wrapping up at Northlands. The final season for horse racing, at least for now, here in the city of Edmonton after more than 100 years. We were slammed with emails from people. I want to leave some time to get to a few of those after this. This is the Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chat. Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Grant says with regards to Trevor, the caller, the guy formerly from Ontario, he's absolutely right. Just stop giving them the money. Maybe then they'll start trying to build up their own province instead of sucking on the bottle of Alberta. MC says, I work on a pipeline. We have people from Quebec and Ontario come out. They criticize us for dirty oil, yet this is where they make their living. I don't think you'll ever satisfy them. It's like Grandpa used to say, you can't fix Stupid. Listener suggests we could use the notwithstanding clause to get out of transfer payments. Brent says all the votes come from Eastern Canada. The transfer payment system will never be changed. It's back to time to cut the cord. Sean says the Bombardier bailout happened. Air Canada is buying a ton of planes. That agreement is worth how many dollars? Jeff says hasn't Bombardier had like 87 bailouts already? Hey, Maddie, let's do this. As you heard live on this show, the announcement earlier this week, Northlands is saying goodbye to horse racing. After more than 100 years in the city of Edmonton, Dr. Stephen Smith sent us an email, says my veterinary practice exclusively serves the Northlands racehorse population. Loss of racing at Northlands will mean the end of my practice. Many other small businesses like feed suppliers, farriers, veterinarians, tax suppliers, trainers, will be lost or negatively impacted. There will be an immediate net loss of employment for the city of Edmonton and my family alone, says my veterinary practice. My brother and stepfather both train. My dad makes tack. He says we employ about 30 people every racing season, the majority of them young people from Edmonton. He says the loss of horse racing will have a real and immediate negative impact on the city of Edmonton. One other important point, says Dr. Smith, Northlands makes money on their racing product. Revenue generated at Northlands is divided between the province, Northlands, and the racing industry. Loss of racing at Northlands will result in the loss of that revenue to the province as well as the racing industry. Denise also emailed via the show's link at 630ched.com, says horse racing is a great long-time industry. It involves so many people all across Canada. Horses have come from many different tracks to race here. All I see is that Tim Reed and the Northlands board wants to destroy Northlands and all it stood for. The casino will never survive as it is and needed racing to help support it. Because of racing, it employs people over many occupations, from veterinarians to massage therapists for horses, chiropractors, horseshoers, owners, trainers, stall staff, horse walkers. It says Northlands even had extra staff for promotions, food runners, food vendors, casino staff. Denise says this is such a sad thing to see for all these people. Leslie's email says... Ryan, I'm a trainer with a small barn at Northlands. I also work for the city of Edmonton in their leisure centers. I always get positive feedback when I talk about training racehorses at Northlands. I always laugh and and I cry a little inside as well when people in Northlands uh, in the neighborhood have no idea it's there and it's actually free to go. 
She says Northlands has done a lot over the past years to help out on the ground level with patio furniture and that Park After Dark Friday initiative, a lot of family-friendly stuff on Saturdays. Leslie says, but getting the word out to the public and the neighbours is obviously not high on their agenda. I share my horses with anyone who wants to be around them, including patrons from the centres. And she says, believe me, the change in some of those people has been amazing to see. When anybody asks if they can come see my horses, I always say yes, because the horses are very drawn to humans. And the more contact they get with people, the happier they are. So she says, I feel bad for owners and breeders and the people who come to visit. You know, I myself will not be able to venture outside Edmonton to train. So this is the end of the road for me. Leslie says, I started at the track when I was 17, getting away from a home life that wasn't great to a world that took me in, helped me grow, helped me raise my kid who also now works for the city, helped me heal my life and allowed me daily contact with animals I love. She says, racing is not cruel or mean. These horses live to race like a hockey player lives to play hockey. She says, I have MS, part of the reason I won't be able to head outside Edmonton, but every day that I walk to the barn, My pain leaves. Life's a little bit easier. Every time I handle my horses, I feel that I am one of the lucky ones. That from Leslie. You can always be in touch with the show. We open up our mailbag as often as we can. A great Friday roundtable in store with Stephanie Coombs, Jana Pruden, right after these headlines.